We live in a world where it seems like all hope is lost. Families are falling apart all around us. Businesses are laying off people left and right. Financial hardships affect absolutely everyone. The economy has been down for what seems like years. Earthquakes. How many earthquakes have there been? They've devastated places like Haiti and Chile. Our government seems more bent on fighting with one another than actually doing anything to help the American people. There is no peace in our world. Our servicemen and servicewomen serving all over the world are dying every day. The dictionary. The dictionary defines hope as the feeling that events will turn out for the best. And everywhere we go, it just seems like everyone feels like everything is going to turn out for the worst. We're all just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Is all hope lost? This morning, I want you to journey with me back real briefly here to the very first Resurrection Sunday. And this morning, we are going to talk about hope. Real, live hope. You know, we all have expectations about our lives. We all have dreams of what our lives are going to be like. I look down here and I see the young people sitting up front, and I know you all have dreams. I know all of us have expectations of the way things are supposed to be, things the, the way things that should have gone. And often we discover that the dreams and the expectations that we have for our lives are expectations that are unmet and our dreams are shattered. Can we have hope? Is there a feeling that things are going to turn out for the best? Can we have hope? Well, we're going to look at those who knew and loved Jesus first and who had very little hope until this extraordinary event changed their lives and it changed the course of history and it gave real hope to shattered dreamers. The disciples had expectations. They had expectations of their friend, their master, their teacher, Jesus. They had dreams of what would be. Listen to some of the things that they said to him. In Luke chapter 9, the disciples got into a quarrel. They started fighting with one another. They wanted to know from, they wanted to figure out who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. These guys had plans. They knew that they were important. They were getting in on the ground floor of something pretty special. And, and um, you know, one of them had to be the greatest. Right? I mean, they're looking amongst themselves. They're thinking to each other. They're saying to each other, you know, one of us has got to be top dog around here. One of us has got to be pretty more important than the rest of you. Right? And not only did they fight about this once, but they fought about it twice. They fought amongst themselves about the same subject in Luke chapter 22. Like Jesus told them, you know, don't worry about such things. And later on, they're still fighting with one another about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Who's going to be the most important? In Mark chapter 10, the brothers James and John came to Jesus and they asked him if one of them, if each of them could sit, one on his left and one on his right, when he established his kingdom. The nerve. But see, these guys were VIPs. They were, I mean, they were Jesus' best buds. I mean, they were, whenever he went, they went with him. You know, they walked with him, they talked with him, they watched him perform the miracles. They had a first row, front row, gold circle seat to all of this stuff going on. You know, they hung out with Jesus, and they saw Jesus do all kinds of amazing things. And they just knew, they just knew deep down inside that Jesus was going to do something totally amazing. You know what he was going to do? 
He was going to kick the Romans out of Israel. He was going to make Israel important again. He was going to establish Israel as a superpower. They had seen him perform miracles. They had seen him do amazing things, raise people from the dead. They were so certain that Jesus was going to do amazing things for the Jews and for Israel. And then came Palm Sunday, and it was a sight to behold. There's Jesus on the back of a donkey riding into Jerusalem, and the people come flocking out of the city, and they're throwing their palms down, and they're throwing their cloaks down, and the whole city is abuzz, and people are going crazy, and they're all excited and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Everybody's all in in an uproar, and and everything is great and awesome. This is it. The disciples got to be thinking to themselves, this is it. Our dreams are about to come true. Jesus is going to go into Jerusalem. He's going to establish his kingdom, and we, we're going to be big shots. They had dreams. They had expectations. But then, things changed in a hurry. Jesus started talking about dying. In John chapter 12, Jesus told his disciples that he would be lifted up and he would draw all men to himself. Wait a minute. These guys had dreams. They had expectations. They were going to be great. Jesus was going to be the king. And they would serve him as as his most trusted advisors. And then he was arrested. And he was beaten. And he was crucified. He was hung on a cross. And they watched him die. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you've seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, or if you've seen other different movies about Jesus' death and resurrection, if you've seen movies about Jesus dying, when, when you see the crucifixion scenes, I mean, that's serious stuff. I mean, that's real, live death. He really, really suffered. He was really, really tortured. He was really, really beaten. And you don't recover from something like that. When the Romans crucified you, when they hung you on a cross, when you died on a cross, you were really, really, really dead. They took a spear. They stuck it in his side. They pierced his heart. I don't know about you, but I don't think I could recover from something like that. Jesus was dead. Their dreams, their hopes, their expectations were dead too. They were shattered. What about their dreams? What about their expectations? What about their hopes? Everything that they had dreamed of was now hanging on a cross. Their expectations, their visions of grandeur were gone. Their dreams were shattered. They had expected so much and so many great things, and and now those great expectations were dead. How could this have happened? How in the world could Jesus be dead? When they buried him in that tomb, they buried their dreams. They saw the tomb with that mass of stone rolled in front of it and a bunch of Roman guards standing outside. These were 11 dudes, and they're not going to be able to overcome all these Roman soldiers. Hope was dead. Hope was dead. But then came Sunday morning. All the disciples are all together, huddled in a room on Sunday. You know what? Their dreams had died. And now, on top of it all, they were scared. What if those who crucified Jesus came looking for them? What if the Jews put out uh, an APB for the disciples? What's going to happen to us now? We saw what happened to him. He was the good one. What about us? What are we going to do? 
And so they're all huddled together in a room like scared little children. Yeah, Mary Magdalene had, had said that she had seen Jesus, and, and Peter and John had seen the empty tomb, but the disciples had yet to see Jesus for themselves. What if this was like an elaborate hoax? What if the Jews and the Romans got together and, and said, uh, put, the, put these people up to it and said, yeah, yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. Come out of hiding. It's okay. You guys can come out now. What if it was all an elaborate hoax just to, tr- to trick them, to lure them out of hiding? And then you know what happened? Then, then, this hope that was dead, hope appeared. John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. The disciples were over... Did you hear that? The disciples were overjoyed. They were not merely pleased. They were not just a little giddy. They were overjoyed. You see, there's joy, there's joyful, and then there's overjoyed. Joy filled their hearts, and it overflowed. What is the greatest news you've ever heard? What is the greatest thing that's ever happened? You know what? One of the greatest things that has ever happened to me, one of the coolest things I've ever witnessed... Okay, I lived in Minnesota for five years. I was, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Chicago White Sox fan. Don't hold that against me. Those of you who are fans of the other team. I'm a big White Sox fan. And I tell you what, I was living in Minnesota back in 2005. And uh, I decided that I was going to get the second half of the Major League Baseball extra innings package on DirecTV. And I watched nearly every White Sox game that fall. Because I knew that they were on the, the verge of something special. And sure enough, that whole fall, I'm watching the White Sox. And they're winning game after game after game after game. We get to the playoffs, right? And uh, we, we're winning game after game after game after game. And this is getting really exciting, really great. And then it's finally, it's like game four of the World Series against Houston. And Bobby Jenks throws that pitch, grounds to second, throw to first. He's out, Jenks. Jumps up. I have an autographed picture of Bobby Jenks in my office, jumping up on the mound in Houston, winning the World Series. I tell you what, not only did Bobby Jenks jump up off the ground, okay, Sean Cornett jumped up off the ground. I was so excited. I was overjoyed. I couldn't, I almost cried. I almost cried. It's a stupid baseball. I almost cried. One of the most joyful moments of my life. Another joyful moment of my life when my son was born. I'm still weighing them out. Which was more joyful. (laughs) He's been with me every day. The White Sox haven't done anything since. There's a guy named Don Acock of uh, Palatka, Florida. And uh, he says, many years ago, our family lived in Memphis. And one day, our 16-year-old son was reading the paper and saw that they were hiring extras for a movie about Elvis at Graceland. The film company was, like I said, looking for extras, and our son desperately wanted to volunteer. So I took him down to the sign-up area, and uh, he signed up. And uh, I had to sign up for him, with him, because he was a minor. And then a couple weeks later, we get a phone call. And the phone call comes and says, he's too young, he can't be in the movie because he's not 18. And the guy says, this guy named Don says, that they asked me and my wife if we wanted to be extras instead. And we said, sure, why not? Maybe get in a movie? That'd be kind of cool. So they go down to Graceland, and uh, they are standing there uh, waiting and waiting and waiting. For 14 hours, they waited. 14 hours. And they all get in this great big line. And uh, sure enough, Don and his wife are there at the beginning of the line. They're at the front of the line. There's the movie cameras and everything, and they're carrying candles. Uh, they're marking the anniversary of uh, uh, Elvis's birthday. They're marking Elvis's birthday. And so they're standing there with their candles at the front of the line. They're thinking, they, they start getting excited. Wow, we're going to be in a movie. People are going to see us. We're going to be in a movie. And we start marching forward, 
And we get to a place, they tell us to stop. And then they said, turn around. We went from being in the front of the line to the very back of the line. What about those hopes, those expectations, those dreams? We were going to be in a movie. Nope, not anymore. No movie for you guys. And this is what he says. He says, if you ever see the movie Finding Graceland, pay attention to the candlelight walk in front of the mansion. Mine is the hand holding the short candle at the back of the line, I think. So what happens? Okay, we have hopes, we have dreams, we have expectations of what our lives are going to be like. What happens when life doesn't measure up to those expectations? What happens when things fall apart, when everything falls apart? What happens when those things don't quite go according to our plans? You know, like I said, as children, we have dreams about what our future is going to be like. I'm sure you guys sitting down front here have dreams about what your future is going to be like. You, yeah, oh yeah, Danny Keller. Life's going to be great, ain't it? It's going to be pretty sweet, right? Pretty sweet, oh yeah. You know, you've got the, the picture of the nice house with the green lawn and the white picket fence and the two kids and the family dog. You know, and the kids are attractive and they're well behaved. What happens when the grass is full of weeds? And the paint on the fence has faded and peeled. And the kids scream, I hate you! Never heard that before, have you? And then the dog won't stop tinkling on the carpet. (laughs) Our dreams are shattered. And we look to God and we say, why? Why, God? Why, Why are my dreams falling apart? Why does God allow our dreams to be shattered? You know, we have expectations as we get older. Uh, Yeah, you're thinking, yeah, that's great for kids, but you know, what about me? We have expectations too as we get older, don't we? We have expectations of what our lives should be like. We should have a good job. We should have a good marriage. We should have a spouse who treats us well. We should have kids that do well in school. We should have no pain and no suffering. We should have financial security. We should have friends who accept us and don't betray us. We should have a fulfilling and meaningful life. We should have a life that makes a difference. But what happens? Hmm. We get laid off from that good job. We have a rocky relationship that ends in divorce. We have kids that struggle in school while we struggle to make ends meet. We have illnesses and our bodies break down. We have parents who grow older and pass away. We have friends who hurt us deeply. We have lives that are empty and devoid of meaning. And it's just the same old, same old every day. You almost feel like Bill Murray in the movie Groundhog Day. Where every day you wake up and there's Sonny and Cher on the radio. Just put your little hand in mine. You've seen the movie, right? And every day it's the same old, same old. Any of you feel that way? Anybody feel like life is the same old, same old every day? It's just one repetitive day after another, and all of a sudden you turn around and your life is half over. Then you turn around again and your life is three quarters over. Where does the time go? What about those expectations? What about those dreams? What about those hopes? We have them, and then life doesn't measure up. Life doesn't meet up with our expectations. We have shattered dreams. My friends, I believe, I truly believe that there is hope for shattered dreamers. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
Did you hear that? It is a living hope. What is hope? It is a feeling that things will turn out for the best. In the Bible, in the Greek language that the New Testament was written in, in the Greek language, the word hope means a confident expectation. It's not some wish upon a star with a little cricket singing. It is a confident expectation that things will work out for the best. It's not a feeling. It is an expectation. That when Jesus says, I will give you hope, when the Bible says that you can have hope, that you can have real hope, there is a confident expectation, not just a wish upon a star. And I believe that that hope is real. In this shaky world of ours, we can have that confidence. We can have that hope. You can be sure of the fact, and I believe this with all my heart, you can be sure of the fact that God will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He will always be with you. If you feel lonely, if you feel desperate, if you feel scared, if you feel alone and afraid and terrified and hopeless and your dreams have been shattered and your expectations are unmet, God is with you in that. He does not leave you alone. He does not leave you lonely. In Hebrews 13:5, God says that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Never, never, ever, 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 ever. I can't say ever enough because God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be there and he is always there. He does not change like shadows that shift during the day. You know when the sun's coming out now and uh, as the sun moves across the sky, the shadows move around. You know, your house shadow goes from one side to the other. The Bible says that God does not change like shifting shadows. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not change the rules on you in the middle of the game. If you will accept him as your Savior and Lord, he will not change the rules. He will change your life without changing the rules. Jesus wants to change your life. He wants to give you hope in the midst of your shattered dreams. He wants to give you a whole new set of expectations, not about how rosy life is going to be on earth. He wants to give you a whole new set of expectations about where you're going to spend your eternal destiny where you are going to spend eternity that Jesus wants to give you real, lasting, living hope hope that never fails hope that never dies Jesus wants to give you hope a confident expectation that when you fall short and when you sin and when you turn your back on God and when you reject Him and you rebel against Him that He will still forgive you when you turn and ask for forgiveness that if you will believe in Jesus if you will repent and turn away from sin and turn to God if you will confess your faith in Him if you will be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins God will change your destiny that is how shattered dreamers get hope by knowing that God loves you, and He loves you so much. He loves you so very much that He sent His Son, Jesus, His very Son. You know what? I love you. I care for you guys. You're my church family, and I think you're great, but I got news for you. If God said to me, Sean, I want you to sacrifice your only son for these people, I I don't know that I could do it. I love that little monster. I love that little guy in his cute little tie this morning. He means everything to me. But God sent His only Son, His only son who died on the cross, he let him die. He let him get beaten. He let him be tortured. He let him suffer and die for my sins and your sins. Those little things that we do, the little white lies we tell, all the way up to the terrible things that we say and the horrible things that we do, from the smallest to the greatest, all of the sins we've ever committed, Jesus died for those. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood... 
Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He shed his blood so that there could be forgiveness. And there is forgiveness. Forgiveness is available for you. If you are walking around with shattered dreams and a total sense of guilt and and just feeling of ickiness and awfulness all the time, God says, I want to take that away. I will take away your guilt. I will take away your shame. I will take away everything that keeps you apart from me. Because my son died for you, and I love you. God is screaming out across the universe to your heart at this very moment. God is screaming out to you, I love you. So many people think that the Bible is a book of hate. So many people think that churches are full of hate, and then we just hate everybody. And that's just not true. What is true is that God loves you. The Bible is a love letter written to you. All about his son, Jesus. Where is your hope? What are your dreams? What are your expectations? Have your dreams been shattered? Has your hope been dashed? Have your expectations been unmet? It's time to find new ones. I have a dream. That one day I will see Jesus coming on the clouds of glory and he will say, Sean, it's time to go home. And that I will dwell and live with him forever and ever and ever. In Revelation, it says that there will be no more pain. There will be no more heartache. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more death. There will be no more sin. There will be no more sorrow. Imagine never crying again. Somebody breaks your heart. That'll never happen again. Ever. Someone hurts you in a way that you can't even imagine. That'll never happen again. You've hurt somebody in a way that has devastated them. That'll never happen again. You've lost someone whom you love tremendously. Maybe a spouse, maybe a child, maybe a parent. That'll never happen again. That is my dream. That is my hope. That is my confident expectation. What is yours? Jesus gives hope to shattered dreamers. And if your dreams are shattered, I invite you right now, I encourage you right now to pray that God would give you new dreams, new expectations, and a living hope. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of your Son. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the resurrection of your Son, for the hope, the living hope that that gives us for breathing into our lives, breathing into our hearts a new hope, new dreams. I pray for those who are suffering today, who are just suffering, whether it be physically or financially or mentally or emotionally or physically. We're hurting. And God, we need you to take away the pain. We need you to heal the hurt, heal the broken places in our lives. And I ask that God today, you give us those new dreams, that living hope. I pray for those who've never, maybe never turned to you for forgiveness, maybe never turned to you for hope, and ask that God, this sermon today, that this message, this talk, has given them some idea that, that maybe hope is out there. For those of us who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, that we would be reminded of the hope of the resurrection, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so too will we be. God, I ask for new dreams for new hopes, new expectations, 
that come from you. We praise your name and glorify you in the name of Jesus. Amen.